Hi, hello, welcome to another episode of Isaiah's Newsstand. It's your host, Isaiah Edwards. The date is February 26, 2023. Hopefully this episode finds you well and in high hopes and higher spirits. There you go. <laughs> um, as for me, I'm doing pretty well. I did some grocery shopping today. Um, I've been eating like shit so far, past 24 hours. I had a, um, well, the first meal I, I had, I actually liked, uh, I had a, um, a burger I made and I made two, uh, chorizo, like sausage dogs, like, you know, hot dog style and, um, had some bacon and I had onion rings and, uh, like a chicken tendy. So that was a good meal. Enjoyed that. Then I had like hot dogs, fish sticks and fries. So that was okay meal and then uh this morning i had a mcdonald's breakfast i had a bacon she bacon and cheese biscuit sorry spaced out and then a uh sausage mcmuffin and a hash brown with a sweet tea so yeah it was nice and simple order they got my biscuit right which is like whoo it's like it's like casting a spell to like get it to like go the way it's supposed to because sometimes they'll be like, okay, no, we, we got the egg off. And it's like, but I shouldn't be paying you $4 for the sandwich now. Like, not, you know, make it the, the way it's supposed to be. Make it, it's like supposed to be like a dollar or $2 sandwich. So luckily we got there. So woohoo. Um, so yeah, we're chilling. We're, you know, vibing, as the kids say. Uh, we can get into some news from Reuters. Bakeman Freed faces more criminal charges allegedly hid political donations so when i initially heard the story i was like yeah he's done donations like i that wasn't that was already news we already covered that um you know if you're not familiar um this was the um what is it the executive ceo uh founder of uh ftx cryptocurrency exchange um also he had alameda research group which is like a side project thing essentially he was taking people's money and instead of like holding on to it for this, you know, this crypto exchange, you know, all that, it was essentially being used, um, to prop up the business and do things, which is not what you're supposed to be doing with money. Um, but alongside that, um, now Bankman Freed faces 12 criminal charges, including four for fraud and eight for conspiracy up from eight charges in an earlier indictment to which he has pleaded not guilty. So, you know, this should all hit the fan. Um, he's been on like this, I think $250 million bail, um, which has kind of been, you know, questioned uh, by the district judge, uh, Louis Kaplan. Uh, I, don't, I don't have any like concrete stuff on it, but I mean, essentially he's still been allowed to be out and about and he's kind of been pressing that a little bit, especially like online um, some of his actions, and so, so people are like, mm, we might, you know, pull that on you, but I haven't really heard too much, like, on the airwaves, I haven't really seen anything in terms of, like, a story, uh, just heard things here and there, so not so much what this article or what I'm, you know, talking about today, but essentially he's in this hot seat now because unlike just the donations I thought he had did on the straight up, like, okay, hey, he donated to, yes, the Republicans. He donated to the Democrats. Um, he's spreading the wealth around. And yeah, it looked like he was doing that for his own potential gain, 
you know, in the long run to help with regulations on, you know, the cryptocurrency shit. Uh, that being said, it's how he's gone about it that's come into question. It's like, oh, that's illegal, which essentially was using like straw donations. So he had two other um, members of his company at FTX um, do these donations and, um, you know, essentially of their own accord, quote unquote, but it was to push the agenda that, um, you know, he's trying to get for like regulations and stuff in the future. Um, let's see here. But um, in the indictment um, said a political consultant working for Bankman Freed told one of the executives identified as CC1 that you being the center left face of our spending will mean you giving a lot of woke shit for tra- for transactional purposes. The executive gave more than $1 million to pro-LGBTQ group um, that BF, we'll call them that from now on, uh, BF's direction. Um, now, they don't necessarily name the, them, but the FEC records show that Nisad Singh, Singh, sorry, FTX's former engineering chief, contributed $1.1 million on July 7th of 2022 to the LGBTQ Victory Fund, a national organization dedicated to electing openly LGBTQ people. So clearly he's out on the streets doing this. They're connecting the dots and they're like, dude, like we're getting you for this too. Like, um, so it's definitely not looking good for, for the old bean, for the kid, uh, which I mean, I say good because I, I think the longer this shit goes, the less, slack people are giving people are giving you know sbf in the situation where they're like yeah he was doing fraud it it wasn't like oh i it just got over my head i was just overwhelmed like no you knew what you were doing um it's it's seeming more and more apparent that this was very calculated it was just done poorly um let's see um there's a quote about like the dread that he had about like this all getting found out or whatever. They have it in the article. I just had this increasing, I just had an increasing dread of this day uh, that was weighing on me for a long time. And now that it's fine, now that it's actually happening, it just feels great to get it over with one way or another. Um, Oh, I'm sorry. That was from Caroline Ellison. My bad. Who was, um, let's see. Oh no, my bad. The indictment said that on November 6th, five days before FTX's, uh, bankruptcy filing, SBF forwarded CC1, a message from Caroline Ellison, then Alameda's chief executive. Okay. So no, I was right to correct myself. It was Caroline Ellison who said this. My bad. But um, she was the person who was running the um, Alameda Research Group as, you know, chief executive. Um, She's got a wild lore story in this whole situation. Um, But, yeah, she was one of the people who turned and was like, yeah, no, I'm getting out while the getting is good in terms of, like, getting a plea deal. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely not looking good for um, SBF. Um, But we will keep you updated and posted. Um, from Good Morning America, Avalanche kills three climbers after victims swept 500 feet down mountain. 
Um, let's see. Three climbers have been killed in an avalanche after the lead climber accidentally triggered it while attempting to, to reach the peak of an 8,700-foot mountain over the weekend. Um, this was the, um, let's see, Cholchuk Peak, um, which sits at the south end of Cholchuk Lake approximately eight miles south of Leavenworth, Washington, in the Pacific Northwest. Now, I'm not much of a outdoorsman. <laughs> That's why podcasting is perfect for me. I just get to stay inside. I get to relax. I get to be sheltered. I like that. Don't be wrong. I think nature is great. I appreciate it from afar. I try not to get stuck in it. You know what I mean? Uh, that being said, uh, super cool endeavor, uh, you know, to go out, I guess, with some friends. I think these guys were all, guys and gals, um, were all, um, like, from the East Coast area. But uh, four, of them, four of the climbers were swept approximately 500 feet down the mountain during the avalanche that ended up killing three of them. The fourth climber, a 56-year-old man from New York, sustained non-life-threatening injuries and was able to hike back to base camp with the two uh, remaining survivors, a 50-year-old man from New York and a 36-man from New Jersey. Uh, when they finally arrived at base camp, they sent a seventh man who did not venture out climbing that day, a 53-year-old Maryland man, to go get help. Uh, the three climbers that died as a result of trauma sustained in the fall were a 60-year-old female from New York, a 66-year-old male from New Jersey, and a 53-year-old ma male from Connecticut. <laughs> Authorities confirmed. None of the identities of those involved in the incident have been released. Um, so yeah, sad state of affairs, real shame. I mean, this is, you know, nature being nature. Um, you know, there's some more details and stuff there, but I figure we can move along. Um, but yeah, definitely, I guess, uh, you know, be careful out there. I do have some friends that do at least do nature walks. Um, but I mean, they're not doing too crazy. Some of my friends do rock climbing, but I think they're all doing it indoors. Um, so yeah, um, yeah, keep it cozy. That's, that's what I say. Um, and some other news and get political, um, uh, from the Associated Press, McClellan, wins special election for Virginia's 4th District. So this is the first black woman, I believe, um, voted f in, you know, f to serve in Virginia. So that's cool. That's a nice development. At least one dub um, for Black History Month, which I got to say is a weird month. And I have a nice fun article. Nice little treat at the end of this one. But um, Virginia voters on Tuesday elected Democrat Jennifer McClellan, um, a veteran state legislator from Richmond, to fill an open seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, where she will make history as the first black woman to represent the state in Congress. Um, we will make this Commonwealth and this country a better place for everyone, McClellan said in a victory speech at a party with supporters in Richmond. I am ready to get to work. Um... She is 50 years old, um, which apparently is at the limit. If you're Don Lemon, you're 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 at your you're at the the precipice. You're past the prime, technically, according to him. Now, you know, Isaiah's new stand. We don't say that. What's a prime? <laughs> That's just a number. That's what we say. Okay. Um, but 
she prevailed over right-wing Republican nominee Leon Benjamin in a in the special election for the blue-leaning fourth district. Um, I think also this is like Leon Benjamin's third attempt. He had went up against Donald um, McEachin, who passed away. Um, he died from secondary effects of colorectal cancer in November, uh, weeks after being elected to a fourth term. So granted, this is a cool monumental moment. It's a good moment, but it, in the House itself, it still stays the same. It's still a Republican majority, you know, even by a slight margin, but still a majority. So um, it goes into, you know, some of her backstory. It definitely, it's, it's a reminder too that like, um, it wasn't too much, it wasn't too far ago, long ago that, you know, black people, myself, I couldn't, I wouldn't have had the ability to vote. You know, it's something that I, I think is definitely even lost on me. I, I don't think too much about it where I, I can literally am able to do absentee votes and stuff like that. But in the sixties, you still couldn't vote. You know, it was still a hassle. It was still a problem. You know, um, her, um, you know, people in her own family, you know, her grandfather had to take a literacy test um, and find three white people to vouch for him just to be able to register to vote, um, which is a crazy wild fact, you know, of our past, a not so distant past, um, which is another thing that's very annoying, which I know I'm getting off on a tangent here. But this is why the whole idea of doing like the culture war bullshit that's going on in Florida with, um, you know, Ron DeSantis, our little meatball, um, it's a situation where you are literally saying, hey, I'm going to use this topic to just say, hey, we should just not talk about bad things that make us uncomfortable. Like, that's essentially why, you know, you're railing against CRT, you know, and you're, you're talking about critical race theory and all this shit is because you don't want to have these conversations out loud anymore. You want to bury them. You want them to be known unknowns until our kids grow up and they didn't get a chance to learn about these kind of things in school. But they're important. They're important to learn about. It's important to know that there was a time where literally you would go into a voting office and if you were black, they pulled out a jar of jelly beans and said, count them. And if you can count this without actually opening it or looking at it, then yeah, you can vote. Like stupid, dumb shit like that really happened. Like that's just for starters. Um, it's crazy the barriers that we've had to overcome and get through to just to get to a point to vote for these corrupt pieces of shit um, and just live normal lives. Um, that's why this is a dub. That's why it's awesome. Um, but yeah, um, cool story, cool moment. I guess I'm going to say that's the good news, even though, yes, we are, we are talking about another person in Congress and a situation that probably nothing's going to get really done. But hey, you got to take the W's where you find them. Um, from the BBC News, Mexico's ex-security minister, Gennaro Garcia Luna, convicted of drug trafficking. So this was a big deal. Um, this was the former face of Mexico's war on drugs. Um, he's been convicted by a U.S. jury of drug trafficking. Um, he could be potentially facing up to life in prison. Um, he's 54 years old. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot of time just stacked up against you. He's got a mandatory minimum of 20 years. Um, that's according to a statement from the department of justice. Um, 
let's see, the verdict came after a four-week trial and three days of jury deliberation in the U.S. District Court in Brooklyn, New York. Now, he was the former head of the um, Mexican equivalent of the U.S. Federal Bureau, um, the FBI, but um, essentially it is stated, um, you know, he's was accused and tried and convicted, uh, you know, taking a lot of bribes, a lot of money, um, you know, by the likes of people like, um, let me see if I can get this name right. I don't know why this is hard for me. Uh, uh, Joaquin El Chapo. El I can tell you El Chapo Guzman. Um, but yeah, I mean, essentially you're just getting tons and tons of Sinaloa drug cartel money and you're supposed to be stopping these guys and instead you're working with these guys. So, I mean, it's corruption at its highest level and obviously it's a sick, you know, twisted game that everyone's playing because you're, you're marketing yourselves as like a government that is like, Hey, we're fighting crime. We're, we're doing the best we can to stop drugs in our neighborhood and stop these vicious gangs from like taking over but they're already there. They're already literally passing the money all the way up. Um, and not to mention they're using this money to, you know, obviously traffic drugs, do a bunch of criminal activity. You know, there's situations where literally they're saying, hey, like we have these, you know, police uniforms, you know, these getups. We are literally dressed just like them to do the shit that we need to do to get this drugs, you know, going to hit our enemies to do the shit that we want to do. And, um, you know, it's just being greenlighted from the tippy top. Um, now let's see on Twitter, a spokesperson for the current Mexican president, Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador, um, Jesus Ramsey's Cuevas praised the decision and took aim at former Mexican, uh, president Felipe Calderon, um, Garcia Luna served under Mr. Calderon, who oversaw a crackdown on drug cartels beginning in 2006. Justice has arrived for the former squire of Felipe Calderon. Uh, the crimes against our people will never be forgotten. Now, um, they cracked back in a statement to the um, BBC. Um, Mr. Calderon defended his administration. Um handling, you know, organized crime and said that the verdict against Garcia Luna was already being used to politically attack me. I've been the president who has acted the most against organized crime. I fought to build an authentic rule of law without which there is no freedom, justice, or development. Um, he added that with the information available at that time, I took two diligence um, measures in the creation and uh, operation of the government team. So essentially, he's kind of wa washing his hands of it by also saying, hey, I did the best I could with what I knew. Um, also, though, it, it definitely um, is an awkward situation for the future because in a lot of things, excuse me, Mexico and the U.S. are supposed to be working in tandem. And something like this, even though it is being praised on the surface by people as, like, a good thing, like, oh, cool, like, yeah, justice, woo, yeah, we're doing the right thing. People are now looking at the top. If you're in Mexico, you're a government official. Like, and I, and I hate to say this because maybe this is me just sounding pessimistic, but corruption is a way of life. Like, 
and I don't want to say that for specifically Mexico, it happens in different wavelengths and vibrations across the world. It's just very, I guess you can say loud in a situation like Mexico, like because the balances are different. And I mean, there's a whole lot of systematic reasons on why that is. But at the end of the day, it, gosh, I'm losing my, losing my lead here. But, um, at the end of the day, yes, corruption in and of itself to me is expected. I, it doesn't surprise me whenever I fucking hear about it. Um, so to say for the Americans, like, yeah, we're cracking down on this. If you're corrupt, we're going to get you. And granted, Luna had moved to the States. It's not like he was extradited or anything like that. But imagine you're, you're doing official business or whatever. And, you know, the Americans want to make an example out of you and you might be corrupt. You might be taking bribes. You might be doing a thing to live your life because at the end of the day, these guys are at your doorstep. You know what I mean? These cartels are at your doorstep and either they're saying, hey, do you want to take the money or do you want to take these problems? So at the end of the day, I, I, I'm saying all this because I do admire the people who do step up in these situations and say, hey, I am going to fight corruption. I am going to be against it. But um, I was making this joke earlier. <laughs> Look, I'm a blue pill guy. I hate to say it. You know, that the one dude with the Fu Manchu and the glasses, the baldy, I would have been him. I would have been him in the Matrix because I'm not looking for all these problems. I just want to relax. I didn't want to get a shitty ass wardrobe and live in a rock formation. OK, and have weird, sweaty sex parties on a good year. I don't want that. I want to I want to eat steak. I want to be chill. I want to relax. OK. So if Mr. Smith is selling that, I'm buying that. I don't want problems. <laughs> so once again, I'm not saying I'm rooting for the bad guys. I'm not, you know, but I am saying I get the idea of being like, well, that's a bit of a scary shakeup. I don't think that we're looking at a whole new world here. I think it's nice to make an example of one person to say you're doing something. And then most likely that's what's going to be it. We're going to move along. There's going to be a few of these people over time. And that's all you're really going to have are examples. But there's still going to be corruption. There's still going to be crime. There's still going to be all this fucking bullshit. Um, but yeah, I guess you can say that's, a, that's another W. Yay. <laughs> Sorry there. I got a little spaced out. But hey, that's, that's living. I'm not an expert and I don't do any editing. <laughs> um, let me take my little break and um, we'll finish this off. Actually, a bit of a tangent before we get into this. Um, one of my former favorite beers, um, which was called Knowledge, was at Kroger. And I was like, yeah, let me get it. But I realized that now um, they've lowered the alcohol volume. And I'm so bummed. I think when I first got it, it was like at 11 or something like that. And now it's like 8.5. And don't get me wrong, that's still a strong number. That's still good. But, like, that's why I drink it was because it was so strong. And now they're making it less strong. So that's a bit of an L. Um, but still, you know, we're drinking it. We're not mad. I still bought it. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and finish this off, huh? From NPR, newspapers have dropped Dilbert comic strip after racist rant by its creator. 
Now, I learned something fun today. <laughs> I I had no idea. I had no idea that um, Scott Adams felt such a way about black people. I, I didn't know. I didn't know that he was so anti-woke culture. Um, but I, I sure shit learned today. And once again, I got to tell you a little bit of a fun story about me and my relation to Dilbert. Um, if you don't know, Dilbert is a comic strip that has, um, been in, I don't know, tons of newspaper publications and things of that nature. I'm sure you can, like, buy books of them or whatever, uh, akin to, like, a Calvin and Hobbes kind of situation. Um, I don't know, any of the shit that, you know, insert cool little cartoon thing here. But, um, Dilbert was a guy in an office with a weird little squiggly, like, squigged up tie, um, you know, he was just chilling, doing his thing and, you know, things would happen to him in the office and he would just look there with his little glasses on and it would just be funny. Like I, I kind of don't have a way to describe it. The best way I could describe it for real, for real, and people might hate me for this, but it's like proto office. Like it literally is just like, oh yeah, guy in the office doing office things. And like, it's kind of funny that he's in the office somehow with his weird up dude tie um, so yeah, that's Dilbert. Now, how do I, where do I come in? I read a couple of them, hee hee ha ha, or at least attempted to, because I was a kid, I don't like, I really get it, I didn't work at an office, but, um, some of my family friends, um, they had a Dilbert, like, computer mount, so it, like, hung out on the top of their computer, like, you could, like, Velcro it on, and essentially, the computer was filled with M&Ms, and I think, if I'm not mistaken, <clears throat> excuse me, you could press on like the mouse or something like that, and it would like dole out M and M's to you. So naturally, my fat ass was fascinated by this because that was like my first time seeing one of these candy dispensers that was like this. And I was like, "Ooh, yeah, cool, Dilbert, boop, 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 give me candy." So yeah, that was um, that's my um, interaction with the medium, uh, Dilbert. It's whatever. Now. Um, He's gotten into some hot water. Um, let's see. The Washington Post, the Los Angeles Times, and other newspapers across the country say they will no longer carry the syndicated Dilbert comic strip after cartoonist Scott Adams urged white people to get the hell away from black people. He uttered his racist advice during his online video program last week during which he labeled black people a hate group. So that is a mouthful, but I guess he had gotten, um, let's see, let's let's just read a little bit more, but let me just tell it the way the article tells it. Adams opens the episode, um, of his, you know, his little, um, his little video. He opens the episode discussing the presidential bid, uh, by Republican multimillionaire entrepreneur Vivek Ramaswamy. Which, um, this is something I really should be covering, but I, I covered Nikki Haley because that was really an interesting candidate to me, though it's still someone I think is going to lose to the Don, the Don. <laughs> I don't think they're going to stand a chance. So, I mean, maybe if they, they actually do something, I will cover them, but essentially they're just an anecdote for this. Um, then, which I'm probably misusing the word anecdote, but whatever. Um, let me have it. Then, 13 minutes into the video, 
Adam began his screed by citing the results of a recent opinion poll conducted by the conservative-leaning Rasmussen reports. Now, I'm not familiar with the Rasmussen reports, so I know, I mean, I'm assuming and believe their fucking slant is what they are. So this is where I love the, the conversation where people go, numbers don't lie. And it's like, okay, but people do. And just like you can use a gun to shoot people, you can use numbers to lie. So I, I never understand that that quote of like, no, numbers don't lie, Jack. Like, guess the fuck you can make a number lie if you just put it on a, a fucking pie chart or a graph and say, hey, this is the way the world works. And it isn't when you actually reconfigure the numbers the way they're supposed to be. Um, but anyway, um, by telephone and online, the group surveyed. Also, polls are fucking bullshit. That's another thing I got to add. Uh, by telephone and online, the group surveyed a thousand American adults with this question. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? It's okay to be white. Is it okay to be white? <laughs> the report found that 72% of the respondents agreed, including 53% who are black, which to me sounds like a fine number. Maybe I am being a headass and not understanding the fire here for um adam scott but it means that would be like okay good so it sounds like you're fine right those are decent numbers now some 26 percent of black respondents disagreed and 21 percent said that they are not sure <laughs> they're just not sure <laughs> they're saying mm, mm, is it okay i don't know it might be a little sus <laughs> I'm sorry. I know this is such a hot button issue for some people, but it's like, if this is really something that works you up, then like, you are part of the problem, dog. Like that, it, it's, it's very weird to me that people get so swept up in these cultural fucking conversations when you really have to understand that it's like, yo, we are talking about systematic issues. We're not talking about you specifically. Like, no one is coming for you. I promise. People think you're an okay, decent guy. It doesn't matter what color of skin you are. But we can talk about situations that are happening that are mostly led by white people at the top. And it doesn't, ugh, ugh, it's so hard to have these conversations. Because a lot of times people will, will hear the colors and they go, oh, 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 and then they're just ready to fight. They're ready to be mad and they're ready to be upset. Which is kind of what it sounds like, you know, Adam Scott was upset about. Uh, but let me continue. The poll also found that 79% of all the respondents agreed with the statement, black people can be racist too, which is also a fun, colorful, great conversation, which is something I've had um, changes with over my thought because I came in thinking like, okay, yeah, 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 all people can be racist, period, point blank, yada, yada, yada. And then I've had conversations with other black people where we have the conversation about what exactly is being racist and i've had it to where it's like okay so yes we can discuss it and say really we were having a conversation about semantics but at the end of the day racism isn't necessarily people saying oh yeah we hate white people no we hate the things that have been done by people who are oppressive which in this situation and you lay it out happens to be white people but at the end of the day white is a color and we were talking about the oppression of other races, which is why we also then wind up talking about, you know, Italians, Irish, and all these other kind of things. Like, these are ethnicities you can claim. We're not talking about being, like, white, um, which is why the whole kind of situation where it's like, it's okay to be white. Is there a problem with being white? Like, 
it's fine to celebrate your culture, your heritage and things of that nature. But when you are doing this whole like white power movement as a response to like the black power movement, it becomes this whole different thing, which is why I hate it. Because like I said, and why I started the conversation where it's like, this is a semantics thing. At the end of the day, if you are treating people well and you are a decent human being, you're not going to have any problems in any of the circles you move through. Um, but people see this black lives matter movement. They, start getting this conversation of like collectivism and all this other fucking shit. And then they're like, nope, I'm done. I'm done with this whole thing. Um, that being said, um, gosh, what's the name of his program? Real coffee with Scott Adams. Um, Hey, I can't talk shit. I literally have uh, Isaiah's newsstand. So (laughs) who am I? I didn't make Dilbert. (laughs) Um, but he did this whole thing on like a YouTube live stream. Um, and let's see, he said that the results of this poll demonstrate that the cultural racial tensions can't be fixed, which once again, I, I'm back to being vexed because like I said, you can delete my whole rant from whatever the conversation, but I'm looking at those numbers, right? And I'm saying that like, it seems like overall people are saying it's cool. Like, yeah, black people can be racist. Like, yeah, like it's okay to be white. Like the numbers are in your favor, but I guess he's saying that those 20% numbers, you're, I, maybe he's putting them together and, like, rounding it up. And he's like, yeah, d- near half of the black people just hate us. And it's like, I, I don't think that's being said in this article, even even by the conservative lens. I think you're taking it and you're stoking it all the way up. Um, so I, I don't know um, why this guy is so upset. But apparently he's kind of had a history of doing this. Um once the Adams previously claimed he is he was a victim of racism in Hollywood and corporate America, he was also a vocal supporter of Donald Trump. No surprise. Um, for three decades, he produced his comic strip Dilbert, which satirized office culture. According to Andrews McMeal syndication, Dilbert appeared in two thousand newspapers in sixty five countries and twenty five languages. Um. Oh, here's my favorite. And this is the cherry on top for, like, my my, my racist, like, bingo. Um, Adams has made news for other controversial statements, including questioning the accuracy of the Holocaust death toll. A.K.A. he's trying to say, maybe it's a little too high. Maybe these people died from other ways. It's it's the same kind of fucking style of shit that people try for the COVID shit. If you, if you pay attention and you notice. Um, it's sickening. It's fucking gross that people want to warp numbers and have these conversations and it's like at the very best you're trying to be this fucking contrarian who's trying to get attention for like i'm just looking at all the signs but like at the end of the day you're just a scumbag piece of shit you're just being anti to be anti like once again i think something like this you have an angle someone's hurt you you feel like you have a chip on your shoulder and this is how you're getting it out by these kind of quotes these kind of stories and yada 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 the commentary that you're bringing to the world um so yeah i'm glad his ass is getting clapped up like (laughs) um oh i do love this too i i really can't stop reading it i'm sorry um on his video show last week the 65 year old said he has been identifying as black because i like to be on the winning team and (laughs) he used to help the black community adam said 
the results of the Rasmussen poll changed his mind. That This is when he's had a, the scales were lifted from him. It turns out that nearly half of the team doesn't think that I'm okay to be white. <laughs> um, he's, he also added that he would I, re-identify as white. He's going back. Turns out you do go back from being black. <laughs> I'm going to back off from being helpful to black America because it doesn't seem like it pays off. I get called a racist. That's the only outcome. It makes no sense to help black Americans if you're white. It's over. Don't even think it's worth trying. (laughs) Um, I'm not saying to start a war or do anything bad. Nothing like that. I'm just saying get away. Just get away. (laughs) Oh, so yeah, um, let's see, people have come out, and um, let's see, editor Chris Quinn of the Cleveland.com slash Plain Dealer in Cleveland called Adams' video statement hateful and racist, that, yeah, agreed, um, we are not a home for those who espouse racism, Adams' reprehensible statements come during Black History Month, thank you, someone saying this has been like the fucking worst fucking energy of the Black History Month I've had in a while. I'm very, ugh, but whatever. We move. Um, when the Plain Dealer had been publishing stories about the work being performed by so many to overcome the damage uh, done by racist decisions and policy. In a letter t- from the editor, The Oregonian, um, three bottomly. Um, essentially he's just explaining why he cut him and he doesn't care that he gets any backlash. It's like, fuck that. Um, let's see here. It's not the first time that Adam's strip has been dropped. Last year, the San Francisco Chronicle and 76 other newspapers published by Lee Enterprises reportedly dropped Dilbert after Adams introduced his first black character, which I imagine went gangbusters. Um, Quinn note that the move was apparently to poke fun at woke culture and the LGBTQ community, a.k.a. he literally made a black whipping boy character. Awesome. How Stephen King of him. Um, Quinn and other newspapers that are part of advanced local newsrooms in Michigan, New York, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Massachusetts, and Oregon made the same decision to stop running the strip. And here comes the tears. Adams reacted to the new backlash on Twitter saying he'd been canceled. Nearly 18 minutes into his YouTube show on Saturday, he predicted, most of my income will be gone by next week. My reputation for the rest of my life is destroyed. You can't come back from this, am I right? Am I right, America? Uh, oh, no tears for baby. Uh, oh, I'm no, I'm sorry. I milked this. I, I, I literally just whited out. I blacked out <laughs> on this one. I, I couldn't help myself. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. I had fun talking to you and going on my little rant myself. Um, if you would like to give me feedback, um, you know, I got a Patreon, I got a Google, I got a Facebook and Twitter. You can find them. I won't, I won't let you hang on the hook for any, any longer. Hopefully I see you soon though for some more good news though. I love you. Bye-bye. Mwah.